with the former IBF and WBC welterweight champ Sean Porter. What's up with you, champ? Doing great, man. Finally, finally getting a chance to get online with you. Yeah, man. I've been trying to get this cracking because you out here in Las Vegas, so I felt it was yeah. only right we connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because I, I stated myself, but at the same time, wanting to be more of a contributor to the community. You know, I think it's things like this that have to happen, you know? So right. uh, once I found out that you you had reached out to me, I said, yeah, let's set that up and get it done. Okay, much love, man. And so not I, just so one I, time. <laughs> right. I'll be back. Exactly. Basically. <laughs> you already know. All right, so, um, you know, I seen you got to um, tell us about the new addition to your family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Adonai. Adonai is uh, two months now. He's almost closer to three months. He's about two and a half months now. Um, had Adonai, like, just before we, like, started to really peak in camp. So it was, like, perfect timing because I was able to go to the, uh, to the hospital with my wife. We had him in a little bit more than 24 hours. They sent us home. Everything was great. He's healthy and and beautiful and and loud and crying all the time because he always hungry. But it's all good, man. And it, and it, it's a blessing. I got two boys, man. I couldn't. I couldn't really. I couldn't ask for anything else. Right. Yeah. I feel right, you. Yeah, I, I feel actually you. got right. a one year old myself. So you know, beautiful. I'm not too far from you. And I got two yeah. older kids too. So it's yeah. a beautiful thing, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. My uh, oldest niece is uh, eighteen. She'll be nineteen next year, and it's funny because uh, my brother, just being two years older than me, he started when he was young, and my parents started when they were young. So I just, in my mind, that's what I thought I would start young, and you know, I would at, at now at this point have some you know teenagers, but uh, it didn't happen now for me. Happened that way for me. Uh, God had other plans for me and. My wife and I, we just been um, been plugging away at this family thing, man. Just trying to make it work. Right. Yeah, right. That's, dope, yeah that's dope, man. All right. So, All right. Um, you know, it's a lot of things I want to touch on with you. Um, you've had an amazing career. It's not over. You still got some years in you. And so I want to take it back a little bit to the beginning and we're going to progress through. I'm not going to take too much of your time. But so who was the first boxer to inspire you to want to become a boxer like how did that start with you well i guess we could say it was my dad because my dad was a boxer but um okay. I, I think this this story is becoming a little bit more and more unknown uh, but my dad was a boxer and a trainer in his early 20s when myself and my brothers we were young i was four years old when my dad first took me to the boxing gym and my dad is just, he's never changed. One, one, one thing about my dad is, is hard work. That's what he preaches to me and has always preached to me. My mom uh, would drop us off at the, at the uh, boxing gym and my dad would put us in the mirror doing our basics and fundamentals of boxing. I mean, I was four years old in the gym with other, you know, teenagers, other early 20 year old guys that were wanting to be professional. I had no clue what I was doing. I just was doing what I was told. And uh, the funny thing about it is, he said, well, when did you first want to want to become a professional boxer? Well, I started when I was four years old, but the actual thoughts of, okay, I'm going to turn pro didn't happen until I was about 18 years old. I didn't really 
being a professional boxer wasn't really my goal a lot like it like it is and was a lot of amateur fighters that I came up with and a lot of amateurs now. My thing was because I started when I was four, that just was what we did. Training was what we did. Mm-hmm. And then my dad knew that w- once we turned eight, we could start fighting. My dad never came to me and said, hey, uh, you want to get a boxing license and, and start boxing? Like, it just was what we did. And so even when as a teenager, it was what I did. I didn't, I, I was good. And and I love to win. I'm a big competitor. So I think that's really what kept me going in the sport. But my real interest and desire for the sport didn't really even begin until I was a late teen. And, uh, and, and going into my 20s turning pro, it was like no turning back. Like, here we are. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a funny story, man. My story isn't really like a lot a lot of other guys. I remember being at uh amateur tournaments, world tournaments, with guys who are like, I can't wait to turn pro. And I'm I just would look at them like, okay, good, yeah, good luck. Like I don't, you know, that really wasn't in my forefront of my mind until I was almost uh late tw- late teens or almost 20. Okay, yeah, and it seems like Training doesn't, maybe it's not as big as a, a obstacle for you. You know, it seems like some boxers, you know, they're like, oh, man, I got to go into training camp. But it just seems like it's like you're accustomed to it. Like crazy, man. It really it really is crazy between. I do a lot of interviews and, I, and, and, and I'm always talking about my dad. I think people probably feel that I have a biased opinion of my dad and I really don't. I, if, you know, I'll be, I probably would be the first one to tell you like, Hey, he did see that, but yeah. it's not like that with us, you know? And my dad has just done so much for me and taught me so much. One thing that I preach to a lot of people now, I mean, we were having a, a couple's dinner just the other night and I was preaching to them the same things that have been taught to me. I told them, I said, your mind controls everything. Your mind is going to determine whether or not you come home to your wife and want to hang out with her or be on your phone. Your mind controls whether or not you're going to come to your wife, come home to your wife and be strong enough to tell her something that went on at work or something that went on uh, while you were driving or something that happened and, and, and open up and be honest about something. Or if you're just going to shut down and hold it on, hold it all, all inside until it goes away, your mind controls everything. That's something that I learned from boxing. And I'm, I'm basically giving these people a boxing lesson in my backyard, you know? So yeah. that's something that my dad, my dad gave to me. My dad told, just preached it to me at a young age that your mind controls everything. And so now when it's time to fight, now when I'm not getting the paycheck that I expected to get or, or I wanted to get or I'm not fighting the guy that I thought I was supposed to fight, that kind of stuff. My mind just kind of massages everything and makes it the way it's got to be. I go on a training camp and it's no thing. You know what I mean? I go weighing in. It's no thing. You know, the fight going up against probably one of the uh, hardest fighters and, and, and toughest fighters in the world, Earl Spence Jr. was no thing. I told everybody when we when we first got he got in the ring after I beat Danny Garcia and said, hey, I want to fight you. I looked at Jim Gray during the interview. I said, do I look worried? I wasn't worried because I knew my mind was going to get me where I needed to be. And that's what always happens for me. Yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful approach beautiful. to take. And, and it goes back. I seen an interview and you were talking about, they asked you about Keith Porter and Pacquiao. So no, yeah, Keith Thurman. Yeah, Keith Thurman and Pacquiao. 
and uh-huh. you were saying that um, you were talking about Pacquiao in this part, and you were saying, well, sometimes people, maybe their perception maybe their is perception. that he's still at that top speed and that top power, so they kind of trick their mind into thinking that, and that's, you know, some of that's what you was just talking about right there. I really do. I think that with that, I... I... I basically called that fight the way I knew it was going to happen. And it really did play out uh, the way I expected. There were, there were really only two surprises for me in that fight between Keith Thurman and Manny Pacquiao. The first surprise was that Manny Pacquiao took his foot off of the gas pedal. And he, and I personally, I believe that he, in a lot of ways allowed Keith Thurman to survive. And the reason why I say he allowed him to to survive is because when he took his foot off of the gas pedal, he gave Keith some room to work. And once Keith got some room to work, he gained confidence. Manny Pacquiao, early in that fight, like I knew he had, he took every bit of confidence that Keith Thurman had out. And instead of taking him out, he pulled off, he pulled back and he allowed Keith to come back mentally and get back into the fight. And then on the other side of that, I did not expect that from Keith. I knew that Keith was going to lose early rounds. And I thought that he, the fight would go like that. Keith stayed strong. He stayed mentally tough. And he said, hey, I'm undefeated. I'm not going to win this fight, but I'm going to try to get this guy and show everybody out there that I am Keith one-time Thurman. So those are really the only two surprises. But outside of that, the fight way went went the way that I thought it would go because I had seen Keith, I had known Keith for so long, and knowing that Keith had been out of the ring, I'm 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 basically I'm I'm beating the drum with the same with the same stick. But I knew that mentally Keith was not where he was in 2016 when he fought me, 2017 when he fought Danny Garcia, injury after injury, training camp after training camp with no with no work, real work in the ring. I knew that mentally he wasn't going to be where he needed to be. And um, that that's basically how, how Manny was able to really upset the young lion, as everybody put it, because Manny still is a lot. He still has a lot in the gas tank and, and he can, he can wear you down mentally as well as physically. Right. Yeah. Right. In, uh, in boxing, in it boxing, seems it like seems it's very like important to remain active those layoffs can have a big impact on you it's like basketball when you get injured it takes you a couple games to come back you're just not gonna come back that first game and put up 30 I'm telling you man it's crazy when i played football all my life and when i stopped when i graduated high school i stopped playing football my guys would invite me to come play um flag football yeah. and after one game i'm sore i can hardly walk I'm like, man, what's going on? It's you, you, your body is not in that rhythm. You 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 lose a lot of it. I'm in the backyard just yesterday, and while my son's playing around, I'm like, you know what? Let me throw this ball up in the air and catch it like I used to catch some punts. So I'm throwing it up like I used to catch some punts, and then I caught it one time and tell myself to, to take off, do a little juke and go to the right. I go to the right. I'm like, oh, oh. I'm like, I'm in the backyard like I'm a 50-year-old or something. When you're not moving the way you your body knows you to move, you lose some of it. And it does. That ring rust for a lot of guys, it, it, it catches up to you. Yeah, and I can see you, you're staying active, staying on top of your game. So that's definitely good because a lot mm-hmm. of fighters, you know, uh, the, due to the COVID, not everybody's getting their matches. Yeah. And like, we just talked about Thurman. Like, man, he's been out the ring for a while again. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. 
And on top, and on top of that, you got COVID. So when you a fighter that's taking some time, you wanna you wanna get away from the ring and all that kind of stuff. And I I'll come back when I'm ready. And then when you get your mind prepared to start coming back, and then something like this happens, it, it just really takes you all the way back down that that road that you that you were just fighting to get off of, you know. So really, man, my my, my heart goes out to every young fighter. I remember when I was when I was just turned pro. When I was 10 and 0, I still could not boxing was not supporting me. When I was 10 and 0, when I was 15 year old, 15 and 0, boxing I was just getting to the point where I could afford to have my own apartment and keep gas tank get my keep my gas on full and and things like that in my car. Boxing does not really you're not able to support yourself until you're upwards to that 15 and 20 and you're really making some real money. So my heart goes out to all those guys that are like less than 10 and 0 you basically got to fight 10 times in one year to uh, to support yourself. Then this COVID happens. You know, my heart goes out to those guys that don't have a trainer like my dad, who is a football field and a half away from me and is willing to build a, a gym in his backyard. I know Keith Thurman's got a gym. The Charlo brothers, they got a gym. Errol Spence Jr.'s got a gym. Danny Garcia, the big names, those guys got a gyms. So we're, we're, we're in for a treat in the coming months of having these big fights. But at the same time, a lot of these lower level fighters, they don't have the same access. So it's going to be interesting seeing the way um, boxing really does come back because outside of the big names, uh, these guys are going to struggle to be prepared for fights. And so I'm, I'm hoping that the best happens for all those guys out there. I know top rank, they came back in a big way on ESPN and they were going like this. And then the fights kind of started to kind of, it was a little bit of a roller coaster ride, you know? So PBC and Fox and Showtime, they're back now. So I think boxing is, is about to really start to pump out some, some good fights. Right. And it seems like it seems boxing like is positioned to be one of the sports that can be successful during COVID because you don't have all the players like football and yeah. so reliant on yeah. um, the the actual ticket sales. You guys can still do pay per view or whatever. And yeah. yeah, well, even aside from that, though, real quick, even aside from that, those other NBA, uh, NFL, the 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 faculty. I mean, there's so many guys on the on the sidelines. There's so many doctors. There's so many trainers that you got to worry about. A lot of hands touching one football. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, those yeah. guys. I think they struggle to figure out how to come back and when to come back. I'm so glad that football is back, but particularly for boxing, especially with this being my sport, I want these guys to understand that now's the time for you to become relevant in the, in, in America because now, right now, and it's been for a long time, boxing's the fourth or fifth sport in America. You know, you got NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, MLS even, you know. So I think right now is the time for boxing to really make some noise. These guys got to understand that. I agree with you. All right, let's 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 go to the business because you were talking about how, um, you know, it takes a while for a boxer to be able to support themselves through boxing. And, you know, we, we've heard through the years how all these boxers, they get um, bad deals or, you know, they don't make the money that they're supposed to make from their promoters or whatever. So, like, say if I was a boxer and I'm, like, 9-0, and what do you think my purse would look like about at 9-0? and 
I know it, it really depends. It, it depends. Yeah, it really all does. It does depend on um, the fighter and the promoter and what kind of deal you sign and so all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I would think maybe on the top side, if you are nine and zero, let's say nine and zero, used to be you were fighting on ESPN. Now you could be fighting on Fox. Right. Possibly yeah. fighting on Showtime. If you're fighting on Showtime, you might be making fifteen twenty. Uh, ESPN, you might be making more like eight to mm-hmm. 10 same thing with fox if you're if you are nine and oh you met you're probably making somewhere around eight to ten and, and also depends on who you're getting in the ring with and you know what you're lining yourself up with those guys that are like we see uh tiafimo uh lopez right. is i i believe tiafimo was about 13 and oh and he's about to fight lomachenko for a world championship title Right. 13 and 0. When I was 13 and 0, wasn't nobody was even coming to me saying maybe you could fight for a world championship title. So at that point, I think with 13 and 0, I might have been fighting for 15 to 20. And and uh Lopez is about to fight for a million. You know, so it all depends on what what you're doing at that point in time and who you're in the ring with and and, and the promoter as well. Okay, let, let's talk about that fight, too, because i seen on a couple interviews you talked about that fight. And in the interview that I'm talking about, you talked about um, Lopez, you talked about Garcia, um, Shakur, Shakur, and uh, Ryan Garcia. Ah, yeah. and, and so you yeah. said in that interview, you said that you thought Tia Fimo was probably the one that was most likely to give Lomachenko problems and probably has the best chance to to beat him. But I I really I want you to kind of expand on that explanation. Like, what do you see in Tiafimo that you don't see in Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, or um, the others just yet? I think that Tiafimo has the mindset of a champion already. I think that he. He's he's been decisive in his mind for a long time what he wants to do and, and how he wants to do it. I think his dad right behind him backing him up, uh, moving to the same music. I think that they have a recipe to become champions immediately. Uh, if we're talking about Ryan Garcia, Ryan Garcia, you you play around a little bit too much with the social media. Uh, you're a little bit too you, you your your nickname's the Flash, but. Uh, does that flash really work against somebody like Lomachenko? You know, I don't think that that flash is even close to enough against Lomachenko. So let's X out Ryan Garcia. You're too flashy. Sorry, but the flash can only get you so far. So, so uh, wait, wait, we're wait, talking let's, about- let's stay on let's, Garcia let's stay for on a Garcia. second. Okay. So when you say flash, do you mean like over the course of a fight, he's just not strong enough on defense or on offense? Or let's break that down I, a little. I agree 100%. I think he's flashy. He's quick. He's clearly he's fast. He's very intuitive in the ring. He has great reflexes in the ring. Um, But at the same time, he's never been, we've never seen him in the ring with somebody who can take that speed, block it and keep coming and deliver some hard punches. That's my big thing. Just to go back to Lopez and Lomachenko for a second. Lopez, you're, you're young, compared to Lomachenko, who in his 30s now is a grown man. That's grown man strength. Some guys get grown man strength at a younger age. I I was blessed with grown man strength at a young age. Not everybody is blessed with that. Ryan Garcia does not have grown man strength by any means. 
So it's going to be speed, 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 speed. But once somebody gets past that speed, what else do you have? You know, once you get past the speed, you have the the Ryan Garcia, who who is very intellectual in the ring and can make the right moves, to take you left and go back right when you're expecting him to stay left. You know, he can make those real subtle professional moves. But at the same time, I think he's off speed. And I think that he's going to get to a level where speed is just not enough. Mm, okay. So what about Devin Haney? Haney, why do you... So Devin's, for me, Devin's thing is his team. Devin's thing is his preparation. I think that Devin has not prepared himself to become a world champion. I think Devin has prepared himself to be undefeated. He's prepared himself to be the quote-unquote next Mayweather. He's prepared himself to be um, action-packed, but he's he has not prepared himself to be a world champion. And I think any world champion knows what I'm talking about right now. Your 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 training camp, yeah, there's some some bumping, some bruises, and so it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride through a training camp, but everything is tight. Everybody knows what they're doing day by day. You got your whole schedule and regiment uh, planned out from beginning to end. I know that Tiafimo and his dad and, and his team, I know that right now they have that. I know that uh, right now, Devin Haney, that's a big part to, to, to the game as, as far as being a champion. And right now he does not have that solidified enough for me. I don't think that he has prepared himself to become a world champion at this point in his career. He's prepared himself to be undefeated. He's prepared himself to basically be anybody at that lower level, but there's some other things that's got to be added when you go all the way up, uh, different game plans, uh, different strategies, uh, different ways to punch. You know, if you're if, if you're punching with the same speed, the same tempo, those guys like Lomachenko, those guys like like Danny Garcia, Errol Spence Garcia, Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, especially Manny Pacquiao, um, Leo Santa Cruz. Those guys can pick up that rhythm and that tempo. They can see it when before it comes. They know exactly what's coming and they'll keep you off balance and you won't be able to connect the way you were. You did when you were undefeated on your way up. So I think that there's some things blocking him. Uh, from becoming a world champion is just the preparation for me at this point. Okay, so it's kind of like the Patriots. The Patriots, like it's like whoever's on their team, they good. But then you it's got the like, Dallas, yeah. you got the Dallas Cowboys that got all the talent, but they don't fulfill their potential. And exactly. you're saying that it's possibility that Damon Haney's like that until they tighten up the the training camp and everything. Exactly. There's a lot of guys out there that have a lot of potential. But there aren't a lot of trainers that know how to help that fighter reach that potential. There are a lot of fighters who aren't willing to do what it takes to reach that potential. And, you know, it really is to become a world champion and stay consistent at being a world champion. There's a lot that goes into it. Some some things are are some things you just don't even know it until it happens, you know? And I think that everybody's this, let's go back to Lomachenko for a second. Everybody talks about him having one loss at then. And he took that loss at three and oh, he was in a 12 round fight, third fight. He's done everything that you could do as an amateur. And so he thought that he was ready for that world championship level, but he found himself in a position where he didn't know how to pace himself. He didn't know how to handle a fighter who was, pushing him and a fighter that was grabbing him and, and 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 tying him up and clinching him and then pushing him and punching him and 
all these professional tactics. A lot of guys think that it's easy until they get in the ring. Sometimes you got to get in the ring and go through it. Once you go through it, you can make adjustments. And when you come back, you're great. And you never look back. And that's something that Lomachenko has done. He took a he took a, a world championship fight, third fight, wasn't ready for it, found out in the moment, and then he's never looked back ever since. Right. Okay. Right. So now let's so talk now about let's talk. Um, Shakur Stevenson. I think Shakur is the he's to me he's second to Lopez, but I think it, it, he he could be a world champion very quickly as well. Um, I think that. Shakur Stevenson Stevens has all of the attributes to become a world champion. I know that he has the team to become a world champion. I think when I've looked at Lopez and when I've looked at Stevens, I think that there's just something that I see in Lopez that makes me feel it really is it's 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 hard. I think right now even it's it's like pick him. Which one do you think is going to be a champion first? And I just feel that it's going to be Lopez. I think that even if Lopez loses to Lomachenko, he'll still find his way into another title fight and be able to pull it off. I know that they're gonna they're gonna um, position Stevens in the right in the right fights, and when it's time for him to take off, I have no doubt he's going to take off and become a champion. But it's just. If you ask me to pick one, I'll just, I just I pick Lopez. There's just something about Lopez that makes me feel like he's going to be the one, uh, or or he is the one opposed to uh, Stevens. And is it possible that he might have faced? Um, is it safe to say that he's faced the stiffer competition so far? It seems like Lopez. Has. Yeah, Lopez. Lopez. Yeah, I think that he's he's faced the stiffer competition so far. But I, both guys, they're they're a lot alike. I think they both are very flashy. They get in the ring and they enjoy what they're doing. Um, both of those guys are are very uh, intuitive and, uh, and and instinctive in the ring. Uh, both guys are very smart in the ring. I think. If I had to choose which guy is smarter, I would say Shakur Stevens. He's got some crazy stats too, like. Nobody touches him. It's crazy, but nobody touches him. And it's because he's so instinctive defensively. He can, And on top of that, he knows his range and his distance. He knows how close somebody is to hitting them in the instant. And he can and he can he can pull away and take that away from them very, very quickly. So I think maybe if anything, I just see a little bit more dog and Lopez than I do in Shakur Stevens. And I think that that's why I feel like he could be uh, like I feel like he's 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 uh, he's my number one ranked guy. And then Lopez and then uh, Shakur Stevens is two. I think I see a little bit more dog in Lopez. And and it might actually be it might go back to the competition because Stevenson might have it, but he just hasn't had an opponent to bring it out of him yet. It's possible, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. And and I and I I know uh, Shakur being from Jersey. I I know the the crowd that he even runs around with now. You know, I know that he he's he's not a street dude, but he has a little bit of a street mentality, and that shows up in the ring. A lot of times, it shows up as dog in the ring, but for some guys, it shows up as as a distraction. And I think that we have not seen uh, the competition yet to, to, that would prove to us whether that's a distraction or if it is dog for, for Shakur Stevens. Right. I agree. All right. Let's go back to right, Lomachenko because we were talking about, you know, um, 
nine and oh boxers they might not be able to support themselves or when they get around 10 and oh they're barely able to support themselves and you know a lot of box not a lot but i see some boxing fans like they say oh lomachenko he won the belt when when did he win the belt in his third fight or i think he was or the second fight no. or four he, and he, or something so he took a he took a world championship title i think it was his third fight he took a world championship title and he ended up losing that fight I think two fights later, he ends up winning a, a, a belt. So before he was six and zero, he had the title. Right, right. right and right. so how do you, how impressive do you think that is? Him, he he like set the record for um, winning a fight a championship belt so early. But considering yeah. he was thirty years old, yeah. is that impressive or is that not impressive? What do you think? Well, it's still impressive because he had to take the title, and so it's still impressive, especially. When you don't have professional experience, you don't have uh, the professional accolades to support you wanting to be in the world championship fight. So to me, it's very impressive. Uh, I think maybe if anything, you could consider the weight class, the, the, the division that he was in. I think that if he was in the welterweight division trying to uh, compete for a title, I think it would be a lot harder because this, the competition gets stiffer even before you get to the world championship level, it gets stiffer. So I think that it, it would have been more impressive if he was, you know, some like a welterweight, maybe even 140 at that point in time when he when he won the title. Uh, but to me, it's still very impressive because there really is a difference between amateur boxing and professional boxing. So again, we saw it in the in the in the first world championship fight that he lost. Anybody that goes back and takes a look at it, you can really see. There's an amateur in the ring and there's a professional in the ring. And if that if they were to rematch now, Lomachenko, that guy wouldn't have a chance with Lomachenko because that that Lomachenko has really grown up as a professional fighter. He he was when he came into the game, when he came into the professional game, he was a grown amateur fighter, but now he's a grown professional fighter. Do you think that Lomachenko I don't know if he really was, but I heard people saying that, you know, he's the pound for pound best fighter. Do you ever think he ever like earned that title? I'm not crazy about pound for pound because I think that it's it's all uh, subject to your opinion. The other thing that I learned about pound for pound, they created that. uh I get, what would you call it? That that monarch, or they created that that title for anyone who wasn't a heavyweight. That because you had the heavyweights who are the superior uh, is the superior division in boxing. So in order to decipher who's the best fighter in the world, they created the pound for pound, so that it would take out the heavyweight division. And now you could see, okay, if this guy fought in two weight divisions above him or two weight divisions below him, he could still become a, a champion. And I think that Lomachenko is definitely at the top of that. I think that uh, Manny Pacquiao will always be at the top of that until he he retires. Terrence Crawford is at the top of that. Also, Canelo Alvarez is at the top of that. Those, to me, are some of the best boxers in the world. I, obviously, I saw them myself. Okay, definitely. All right, let's take it back to Manny Pacquiao because I, I didn't know this at first, but you used to train with um you used to spar with Manny Pacquiao. How long did you do that and when was that? I did two training camps with Manny Pacquiao. The first training camp I did with Manny Pacquiao was Miguel Cotto. 
we got a call from someone out in, in LA. They were at the wild card. They said, call my dad, Kenny. Uh, Manny Pacquiao was about to fight Miguel Cotto. Sean has, has a great left hook. I know that that's what they're going to be game planning for. Once you bring Sean Porter out here and just let him spar and let, and let Freddie Roach see him and use that as an audition, maybe you guys can go to Kent with him. And that's exactly what we did. And that's exactly what, what happened. That was, um, I believe 2010 is when he fought Miguel Cotto. And um, we were in camp with Manny for about through about four weeks in the in the Philippines. And then when we came back from the Philippines, they asked me to exit the camp. They thought that Manny needed some uh, lighter work going into the fight. I think they felt like if if I was still moving around with Manny, it would it would break Manny down too much and he wouldn't be as strong and as prepared for the fight as they wanted him to be. And uh, at that point in time, I didn't understand it. Neither did my dad. Again, my dad is all about hard work. And so my dad felt like they were kind of taking the easy road at that point. And he's like, yeah, we got, he's telling her, yeah, we got kicked out of camp. I'm like, we didn't get kicked out of camp, you know, relax. This is yeah. their game plan. And this is their strategy and how they want to prepare for the fight. And, uh, you know, come to find out, we prepare for world championship titles uh, a lot the same, but a lot differently. You know, we we have hard work from beginning all the way until the end. The second time I trained with Manny, I believe, was 2011 or 2012. He fought Shane Mosley. And um, Freddie says, he calls, he says, well, Sean looks a lot like him. Manny fights a lot like him. So I want him to come in for this camp. And we came in for that camp. And Freddie actually ended up keeping me from beginning to end. I think Freddie knew that that was going to be a very tough fight for Manny Pacquiao. And he had to be, he had to have stiff competition and training all the way from the beginning to the end. And so they kept us uh, for that camp. And then um, after that camp, we did some of that camp in, in, in the Philippines. And then we did the other part in LA. When we were done with that camp, we went back home to Ohio. My dad said to me, he says, um, get ready because you're not going to have any more training camps as a, as a, as a sparring partner. He says, you're about to become a world champion and we're not, we're not going to be sparring partners anymore. And sure enough, like we just a Friday or two later, we got the call, uh, 2013 to fight, uh, Devin Alexander for the IBF title. And I've never been a trainer. That they could shut down real quick. All right, it's still not saying it's picking it up. Are we live yet? I don't know. All right, let's go ahead and run it. Go ahead and pick it up. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, man. Uh, after that last camp I had done with 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 uh, Manny Pacquiao to get him ready for Sugar Shane Mosley. We went on back home to to, uh, to Ohio for a little bit of time, and my dad says, "Hey, you're done being a sparring partner." He said, "We're about to fight for world titles, and world champions don't do they're not sparring partners." So, um, and the blessing from that was December 2013. I got the call for my first world championship title, IBF title against uh, uh, Devin Alexander, who was the champion. Yeah, and that's all she wrote, man. Uh, we bring them in now. We not we not sparring partners anymore. Yeah, that, that's yeah, a dope yeah, story, that's a dope man. Story. All right, look, look. Since you were since you were Manny Pacquiao's sparring partner for a while, 
you did you were you able to pick up anything he does like he's had an amazing career and there got to be some things that he does that maybe other people don't do like what what did you learn from being in Manny Pacquiao's camp when you were sparring with him you know what I think uh this is gonna catch everybody by surprise but we would before we would train I would always he would come in the gym Say hello to Freddie. Say hello to everybody that's in there, and then he would he would pray before he got started training. And I uh, looked at that. I was like, I was like, like wow. Like I pray in the morning before I, I you know, I pray at, at night. And I, I pray over my food, but never occurred to me that I should pray before my spine. That I should that I should pray for my training. And that's something that my dad and I we we took back home with us. You'll see us actually when. When the cameras are around and we're training and stuff like that, we drop down on our knees and we train before we pray before we train. And that was that's the number one thing that I took from Manny. Everybody talks about his faith and they talk about, you know, how he's a devout Christian and it's pretty new to people. But this is stuff that we've seen from Manny for years and years and years. So that's the number one thing I took from Manny. But outside of that, outside of the faith, I saw Manny work hard. I saw Manny work and work and work, and not only that, but enjoy it. I think a lot of times now, uh, since training with Manny, I really started started to tell myself, enjoy what you're doing, enjoy uh, the the training, the rigorous days, and and the hard work, and enjoy your dad yelling at you, enjoy everything that's gonna come at you because. Once it's, it's fight time, you don't want to live with any regrets of what you should or shouldn't have done in camp. And I think that, again, we're talking mentally. That was what I was able to uh, start doing time and time again. Camp after camp is really just enjoying the hard work and the rigorous training and uh, even the, the the dieting and the weight loss because it's, it's, all, it's all worth it at the end of it, you know? Right, definitely. Right, definitely. Okay, so check this out. I have a lot of um filipino fans that's watched my youtube channel and so they might like to hear you say this since you uh you know have some insight on manny pacquiao but if you were to give manny pacquiao his flowers and his acknowledgement for his greatness like what would you say that made him great i mean we know he went through the what is it eight divisions what made pacquiao like one of the greatest boxers I think what made Manny or has made Manny great is um <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying this uh to 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 make any more fans, especially over there in the Philippines, but literally the Philippines is what made Manny who he is, made Manny great, made Manny an eight, nine division world champion, whatever it is now his upbringing what he what he what he came from and his desire to get out of that his desire to bring so much hope uh so much uh financial um uh relief to his country uh economic relief to his country now being a governor of his of his his island his country that all of that is what kept manny going what has kept manny going it, 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 it created the drive, it created the heart, it created the mentality that he has. The Philippines is what made Manny who he is. 
um, coming from the streets, uh, his lack of education, um, it, it made him hungry. Uh, understanding that fighting and that boxing could get him everything that he could ever, ever dream of. Boom, there it is. Uh, obviously, you combine that with his abilities and his talent, and then you combine that with a great coach and Freddie Roach and everyone else who's been around him and to, to got him, that's what has made Manny who he is. Mm, okay. I had, mm, I had okay. Keith Thurman on here, and I asked him, like, who had the better career, Manny Pacquiao or um, Floyd Mayweather? And I would like to get your – wait, wait, wait. Hold on. My uh, stream is tripping again. What is it called? Saying. That was a good answer, though, right there. Yeah, man. I, it's funny. I've never thought about it until you asked me that. But I, but I, I know Manny. I've, I've seen his story, and I, and I know it's, I know it all. You know, so I, that, that is how Manny is who he is. It's back working. I, I think it is. All right. So, um, I want to ask you that question that I asked Keith Thurman. Who do you think had the better career, Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather? You know what? It's, it's tough to say. I think. Uh, Manny's got well over 60 fights. Uh, Floyd has uh, 51. He's 51 and all, I believe. Uh, I think it's all about the opposition, and it's all about what those guys did. Um, if I had to say who had the better career, I'm probably going to go with I'm probably gonna go with it's a pick'em. I could go with Manny Pacquiao based on who he fought, especially at those point in times when remember he fought um Margarito when Margarito was smashing cats. Of course, uh Sugar Shane and 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 the beloved uh uh Nassim uh Richardson, they found out that 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 uh that Margarito had been loading his gloves and, and his wraps and things like that. And they were the first ones to really, you know, pull that out of Margarito. But what what Manny did against Margarito, he just completely demolished Margarito at a, especially at a point in time where Marigo, Mar Margarito was was very feared. Um he fought Marquez five times, I believe, and won three of those fights, I believe, maybe six times and won four of those fights. Something crazy. I think that, I think Mark, I think Manny Pacquiao and Marquez fought six times and Manny won four of those fights. It's, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, obviously, Floyd Mayweather being undefeated, he fought Shane Mosley, but he fought Shane at a time when Shane wasn't at his best. He fought, uh, he fought, uh, 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 um, uh, the cat from Brooklyn. Um, I got his face. What's the guy? What's his name? Zab um, Judah. He he. Second. Zab Judah. Zab Judah. Zab Judah. He fought Zab when Zab was was when they both were right there. You know what I mean? So, uh, it really is a pick 'em. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pick and, and pick Manny based on who he fought, when he fought him, taking over eight divisions. You can't deny that. Uh, or nine, <laughs> possibly even nine, and and also his his opposition. And, and 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 also, you know, him being who he is to the sport. I mean, 
both of those are both those guys are icons, but they're 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 two different type of icons. I think I think uh 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 Floyd would be the Jay-Z icon of boxing, whereas Manny would probably be the uh the Whitney Houston icon of boxing. You know what I mean? I think that they're both iconic and they both have done great things. You cannot deny what they've done. And if you pick up uh, a Whitney Houston album, you're gonna be 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 great. Uh, glad that you you got it and brought it home. And if you pick up a Jay Z album, you're gonna be you're gonna be glad that you brought it home. You know, so you can't go wrong either way. I thought you was gonna say like how I did that. I, I, yeah, I thought you was gonna keep it in the drama. I thought you was gonna say like Tupac or somebody. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, see, but see, that's the thing. The, they're they're two different type so, of people, so and I think that they translate to two two different type of people the same way an R and B uh, fan would like more R and B type music than they would rap music, you know. So right, I even okay. got you with that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dope analogy, y'all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I dig that. Okay, when I asked Keith Thurman that question. He leaned towards, he said, Floyd Mayweather. And he said, oh, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. No, you, Keith Thurman leaned towards Pacquiao, too. He said Pacquiao lived like the Muhammad Ali life. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, he, he wins some, lose some. But, you know, he's living the Muhammad Ali fight, fighting the biggest and the best fighters at the time. And he yeah. said, you know, um, Floyd Mayweather um, picked and chose when he was fighting a little more. So it mm -hmm. lost some of its luster because of that. Mm -hmm. Would you agree mm -hmm. with him? I would agree. Uh, I think that, let me say this. I've been in the room one time at, at the MGM when, uh, when uh, Muhammad Ali arrived at the stadium and everybody stood up on their feet and clapped for Muhammad Ali as he made his way to a seat. It was one of the, it was the first time I had ever experienced anything like that. And it was really was the most amazing thing I had ever experienced in my life. And then, um, at, well, at that point in my life. And then the next time I saw it was when Mike Tyson arrived at the, at the MGM Grand Arena one time during a fight and everybody again stood up and clapped. The, the difference with Muhammad Ali and, and, and Mike Tyson is nobody nobody was trying to reach at Muhammad Ali. Nobody was trying to take a picture or get an autograph or anything with Muhammad Ali. Everybody just stood up and paid homage to greatness as it walked. And then the only other time I've ever seen that was when Mike Tyson uh, arrived at the stadium one time. But a little different. People were taking pictures, videos. They were they were reaching at him. They were trying to you know trying to get at him. I think even there you could see a difference in the respect that people have for Muhammad Ali opposed to opposed to Mike Tyson, who again had that that same type of uh, uh, effect on everybody in the arena. I think that if if my if Manny Pacquiao continues on the path that he's on right now, I could see that happening to Manny, let's say maybe 10 years from now when he arrives at an arena, I, th I could see everyone just standing up and paying homage to him because he's he's been that great to the sport and that great to, to his people and his country. Floyd Mayweather, I think it was take some more time. I think 20 years from now, 25 years from now, I can see people doing that. But right now, I think he's still too close to the sport. I think right now people still have uh, an image 
of, of Floyd being a bad boy, of Floyd not fighting everyone, especially at their at their in their primes. And I think that takes away a little bit of his career and, and, and who he is to sport. I think um, uh, right now people would would, would, would would really appreciate everything that Manny has done more than they have Floyd Mayweather. And Floyd's done some unbelievable things as well, especially from a, a, a economic standpoint. You know, Floyd sold and has done unbelievable things where well, he was the the number one um paid athlete is, is he ever or of all time or, yeah. yeah of all time yeah yeah can't beat and, that and, and so um let's talk about floyd for a second because it seems like one of the biggest um digs that people throw at him is he you know he he would dance too much in the ring he wouldn't sit there and fight enough he wouldn't fight the the opponent at the right time or whatever. And so over the course of boxing history, we have seen so many boxers come out of boxing and they're broke. Like I remember um, seeing one sports announcer saying he was walking out of a Vegas casino or some type of casino. This is like old in the old days. And one of his favorite boxers was out there shining shoes. And so he took the shining kid and he shined that boxer's shoes and then we also know how you know a lot of boxers maybe not now but a few years ago they would come out and they would be a little punch drunk or whatever so it's like you know the the fans i think we value too much the warrior style and don't really care as much about the people when they get done with boxing and so floyd mayweather just flipped that on his head and said, forget that. I don't want n none of the smoke with the damage. I don't want none of the smoke with all of that. I'm going to do what's best for me. And hopefully you guys like it. If you don't like it, well, it's the sweet science is to hit and not get hit. And I'm going to do it better than anybody else. And if you love the sweet science, you're going to like what I do. And so I like Floyd from that aspect. Cause I look at all, especially black boxers, you know, you know, I see, I, see I, go, I used to go to the boxing gyms all the time out here, and I see boxers from maybe just like 20 years ago or 15 years ago. And, you know, yeah. their speech is a little messed up a little yeah. bit, not doing yeah. well financially. So, yeah. you know, I hold Floyd Mayweather in high regards because he just changed that whole dynamic around. What do you think? My thing with, with Floyd, and which is what helped me realize how great he was, Floyd is the only fighter in this world that used two different styles and dominated with both styles. There's guys who will get in the ring with one style and change as the fight's going. I'll be right there. And then um okay, and then uh and then there and then there's guys that they got only only have one style and that's the style you see from beginning to end. They're going to either beat you with that style or they're going to lose to you with that style. Floyd used to be pretty boy he was flashy. He was fast. He was willing to hit guys. He was willing to get in there and mix it up. And, and he always finished on top. The dude was 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 completely electric. And then, as I know, some hurt hands, he said, I need to switch it up so that I have more longevity in this sport. Completely switches it up and continues to be just as dominant. We'll never, ever see that again. We'll never see one fighter fight one way for 10, 15 years, whatever it was, and then fight a completely different way for another 10 to 15 years. Go that way. Go that way. That way. 
Go that way. And and that's what really helped me realize just how great he was. I started, I was watching his fights. I would go to a lot of his fights and I was like, I would sit there and I'd be like, damn, he's doing it again. How is, how, how, how is he figuring this out? This guy can't do anything. This dude can't do anything. And God, people started wanting to see who can do something with Floyd. Who can do something with Floyd? Everybody thought it was going to be Manny Pacquiao. F, forget all the the the, the um, excuses and the reasons why, and this is what happened from Manny's side. Floyd did exactly what he always does and did it again, and you cannot deny that. So when you say, "Well, who had the better career?" It, you can pick again. You can pick a Jay Z album, or you can pick pick a, a Whitney Houston album. But at the end of the day, Jay-Z sold and sold and sold. Floyd sold and sold and sold. And when he got put up against Manny Pacquiao, he sold again. And he made it happen again. So it, it really doesn't matter whose career you consider. When you consider who be who, <laughs> when you consider who be who, what, what more do you have, what, 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 what more do we need to talk about? Yeah, yeah, that kind of answers it right there. All right, um, you know, let's. Let, I want to wrap this up. I know you got things you got to do. Who's your yeah. top five fighters of all time, and why? Um, <clears throat> my number one fighter, my favorite fighter of all time, is Marvelous Marvin Hagler, uh, and I'll, I'll make it quick. I, Mar Marvelous Marvin, uh, outside of his name, Marvelous, that did something for me already, and I'm Showtime. You know, so I, I felt like the, you, whoever, whatever name you were, you had to resemble that name. And Marvelous Marvin Hagler was just that. I think I consider him to be a boxer puncher. He could outbox you. He was fast. He could he could hit you from the outside, but he was also aggressive and he could and, and he could come at you. And he was a complete dog from beginning of the fight to the end of the fight. And a lot of things you see me do in the boxing ring, I'm a dog from the beginning of the fight to the end of the fight. When I was watching Marvin Hagler when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I was like, that's what I want to be. Like, that's how I want to fight. And for a long time, I've tried to fight a lot like that dude. Uh, of course, Muhammad Ali falls right there at second. What, what, what needs to be said about Muhammad Ali that hasn't been said? Uh, unbelievable, both inside the ring and outside the ring. Everything he's done for for black people, for 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 humanity in general, and trying to unify and unite the world, uh, especially with his fists. Uh, unbelievable talker, unbelievable uh, entertainer. Um, I think every boxer is who they are because of Muhammad Ali. And uh, my number three fighter is uh, Roy Jones Jr. I don't think there's we, we're never going to see any more highlights like that ever again. The dude was electric. He was entertaining. Um, uh, the fastest fighter ever, in my in my opinion. And um, and then the, the rest of the guys just kind of fall in line. My, uh, Mike Tyson, Floyd Mayweather, of course, Manny, Manny Pacquiao, of course, Sugar Shane Mosley is another one of my favorites. And, um, you know, and, and I appreciate all of the, the classic fighters like Sugar uh, Ray Leonard. I think that's as far back as I go. Sugar Ray and Tommy Hearns and, uh, and, and Marvin Hagler. I don't really go back too much further than that. Other than you know the heavyweights of of, of the world like Muhammad Ali, uh, George Foreman, Joe Frazier, uh, those are some of the greatest of all time right there. 
Okay, yeah, okay, you yeah, got some you dope picks right there. <laughs> um, dang, I, I think dang, I just I forgot just the question forgot I wanted the question to ask. I wanted to ask. All right, um, let, let's let's switch sports real quick. Basketball playoffs are here. You know, I'm a big Lakers fan. I'm coming from LA <laughs> or whatever. You from Ohio? Um, I want to ask you, who do you think's better, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? <laughs> I think LeBron James is is better, but I think they're just two different types of players. Um, LeBron's bigger. Uh, I think he's a more willing passer. Uh, he will get down in the in the in the in the in the paint and rebound the ball. Um, and he and he he can shoot from the outside. I mean, he's 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 really developed a great shot from the outside as well. I think Mike Tyson was just. He was, er, I said Mike Tyson, Michael Jordan was just uh, very electrifying and, and and very skillful and an unbelievable scorer. Um, a, a willing passer as well, but I think he he was more, he was more of a control freak on the court and wanted to control, control the game by scoring, which is not a bad thing, but I just think that they're two different type of players, two, two different type of body styles. And uh, and 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 I would I would pick uh, LeBron James to be on my team before I would pick. There's one and two for me um, because I know that I'm gonna get more from LeBron James in the paint. He's gonna rebound the ball. He's gonna pass the ball, and he's gonna score. He's gonna play great defense. He's gonna block shots. And I think overall, he's he was that. That's what makes him a better player than than Michael Jordan. Okay, well said, and I actually agree with you as well. All right, so I remembered the question that I wanted to ask you. So um, I'm going to tell you what Keith Thurman said, and then I'm going to ask you a question. So I asked Keith Thurman about you guys' fight, and he, he was talking about how you guys knew each other for a long time or whatever. But in somewhere in there, he said you weren't like the most technical fighter, and he's proud of you how far you've come being that you're not so technical. So my question to you is, how do you explain your style and do you feel that you are not the most technical fighter? I'm, I'm definitely more technical than, than people actually know or realize. I do know in that fight with with uh, Keith Thurman, I, I, I wish I had been more, more technical. I wish I hadn't smothered my shots as much as I did. But that's all a part of my game and a part of who I am. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize when you when you are smothering yourself, you're also smothering the fighter. You're preventing that fighter from from throwing the shots the way that he wants to, or, or being able to move and, get, and create space to get his shots off. So, a lot of what I do is strategy, but also um, I think as I've moved forward, uh, especially since fighting Keith Thurman, I think I've settled down more. I think I've really wanted to uh, show people that I'm more technical, that I have a better jab, that I have better uh, punch placement, that I can, you know, box from the outside and use the ring as well as, you know, getting up on guys and being physical and smothering, smothering them and things like that. So I do think that um, I'm more technical than people realize, but it's just a part of my game as well and a part of my game plan and my strategy in terms of preventing other guys from, from being comfortable and doing what they like to do, you know? So my style is, is going to always be aggressive. 
my style is always gonna gonna revolve revolve around doing whatever I need to do to win a fight. Um, I play spades, and for me, the number one um, rule in spades is play to win, and and that's how I fight. I fight to win. Uh, another one of my favorite games is Monopoly. I I play Monopoly like 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 I'm living my life. Like I, I play that like it's a fight. I play to win. You know what I mean. So that's how I fight. Um, you know the aggression that you see, the you know when you see me, you know rushing on guys up on them and throwing a hundred punches around and things like that is everything that I feel I need to do in those moments that's gonna lead me to winning the fight. You know, so uh, I think that I have a, a lot more tools in my tool in my toolbox. I can do a lot more things. I'm more, much more versatile than a lot of guys out there, even a lot of guys in my division, uh, but. Styles make fights, and depending on who I'm in the ring with, you'll see you see me do different things. And uh, I think that people, that's kind of become a bit of my image now, is that depending on who I'm in the ring with, you're going to see a different Sean Porter. So people say now they, they have not seen the same Sean Porter in the ring in, in, in a long time. So I'm, I'm grateful for that, and that's a part of uh, what I want to be known for as well. I like to compare like to your compare. Um, fighting styles to like um, Duke College basketball because what they do mm. on defense is they're almost like you you would categorize it as overly aggressive because they fill the passing lanes. They almost they're closer. So like say the regular defender is maybe like eight inches away they're trying to close it to six or five because they want you uncomfortable they don't want you to take your shot and you have five inches of space they only want it to be like two inches so i kind of think that's your style a little bit and i appreciate that and i like that and i'm gonna use that because what they do is duke knows that we're 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 well-conditioned athletes we can run the court we'll run the court we'll press on defense and then we'll run the court Nobody else conditions the way that we condition and they won't be ready for the latter half of that second half. And that's a lot. That's how I am as far as boxing goes. I know that no one's going to be more conditioned to, than me. And I know that as long as I keep you uncomfortable, as we go through that fight, you'll be become more and more uncomfortable and you won't be ready for those later rounds the way that I am. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, that right there. I like that. Yeah. Okay, for sure. Hey, boss, so, I got to get out of here, man. My, my family, they calling me. <laughs> okay, can we do okay. one last hey, question? One last question, and then we'll do it again, man. I okay. told you, like, when we got on, we'll do it All again. Right, let's run it back. Run Tell, it back. Us, um, right. Tell us about the podcast, your podcast. Love the podcast. It's right here. This is the Portaway Podcast. Uh, long story short, uh, when, the, when the quarantine happened, I was like, I got to get equipment because I know that we're going to be doing things from home with the Inside PBC Boxing Show that was on FS1 and also on Fox. Uh, we, we have not brought that show back yet, but I got all this equipment. I got two of my best friends with me and I'm like, you know what? I love doing this. The quarantine happened. This COVID is going on. I'm not going to church right now and I'm not doing the Inside PBC Show and I'm not going to any fights. Where I'm gonna wear a suit at, and so I was like, you know what? If I do this podcast, I could put a suit on, you know. So y'all yeah. see me on the, in a suit every Tuesday. We drop it on uh, YouTube. I know it's also on Spotify, and I believe it's also on Apple Music. So it'll be on all your uh, favorite uh, podcast platforms real soon. The Portaway Podcast. 
and tell them where they can find it on YouTube. What's the your channel name? The uh, the URL is is the Portal Way Podcast. Uh, we're talking boxing. Uh, we're also talking sports in general. The very first episode was the was the first uh, was right after the first NFL football uh, week, and so we talked uh, football. So we'll, we'll continue to talk football as, as the NBA starts to wind down into the championships. I know we're gonna touch on that. There's a lot of big fights coming up, so we're gonna be talking uh, the big fights. Charlo Brothers they fight tonight, so y'all see us recap that on Tuesday. Um, also, Leo Santa Cruz and Javante Davis is coming up. Yeah. Danny Garcia and Harold Smith Jr. is coming up. Hopefully, we get Mike, Mike um, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder for the end of the year. You'll see all that on the Portaway podcast, which comes up on every Tuesday on YouTube, Spotify, and uh, Apple Music, as well as any of the other uh, platforms out there.